Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I'm David Haw along with Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock, talking baseball as we do every Saturday morning, 52 weeks a year. And it's time now to go to our guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find the fine baseball columnist for the New York Times, Tyler Kepner. Good morning, Tyler. How are you? Tyler, good morning. Tyler. How are you? Yeah, can you hear me? Good morning. Yeah, how can how hear are you? you? Doing right, well. Cool. A little, yeah, a little, uh, little cold here in Chicago, but this is what February feels like. We know that. We're longing for baseball like everybody else, and obviously a little disappointed at the news this week we know where things stand in terms of the resistance by the players association to involve a mediator how do you interpret tyler given your your sourcing given your experience how do you interpret what happened this week well it's not a good sign obviously um i had thought they were making some progress um but it's really hard to put much faith in, in in these groups i mean the players are trying to win back a lot of uh, ground that they've lost in the last few negotiations, and the owners don't want to give it. Um, and the owners have sort of always, you know, for a while now, been frustrated with uh, the the way the players operate. But the players, understandably, uh, you know, uh, are a little uh, upset at at the the pace from the owner side. You know, like they the owners uh, implement the lockout uh, December second, and then wait. 40, day, uh, 40 days, you know, six weeks before they even get back to the bargaining table. I mean, I suppose the the players could have done that, but it was the owners who initiated the lockout and then sat around for, for uh, you know, until the middle of January. So it's it's just there's a lot of bad faith on both sides. And, and um, yeah, I don't know how they, how they kind of jump-started again. Tyler, uh, you know, we've been through these things many times. You've been around for a long time. I've been around, uh, you know, long enough to see uh, the, the last strike and the last, you know, big-time loss of games. Do you, do you get the sense that the $11 billion, and I'll repeat it, $11 billion a year in revenue um, is going to drive both of these sides to the table before games are lost? Or do you think there's some subtle things that the owners or the players want to do or get accomplished here that also entails missing games? Well, that's a big question, and um, 
I think we'll, you know, I think spring training will will probably have to be pushed back or, or at least delayed for a while. Um, then you get into that question of how much spring training do you really need? Um, I I wish I knew. I mean, I, I I think it would be just devastating because it was bad enough in '94, in and baseball I think was a little more um, coming from a little bit stronger place then than it, than it is now. Um, you know, with so many different different uh, sports and activities to occupy people, um, I still think baseball is great on the local level. But um, you know, attendance is, has fallen a little bit, and you know, national interest does seem to be uh, on the decline. So, I really don't think they 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 can afford to do anything that that further diminishes fan interest. Um, and it was a bad sign, I thought, guys, early when they they said, you know, we're not even going to talk about on-field stuff um, in this round because we've got too much other stuff to to deal with. And I feel like the on-field product needs to be addressed too, um, you know. And and they're not even going to touch that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, will they miss games? I, I I still am thinking that they won't, um, but maybe that's just based more on hope than evidence. Yeah, because. February 16th seems inconceivable now that spring training is going to start on time. And as you point out, how much time do you need? March 31st is, I guess, the next date you start to look at and wonder about. Do you have a date in mind where there has to be a settlement by for the season to start on time? Or is that a, a, a projection people are, are very reluctant to want to make? Yeah, that's not something that, that, that people are, are, are going to tell you Um I do think I don't see if they don't get it done by let's say March first. Okay, March first that gives them four weeks to four weeks and three days to to, to opening day. Um, okay, maybe that's enough, just barely. But that's thinking that like you could get everybody in camp right away. Um, you're going to have visa issues. You've still got hundreds of free agents who have to sign, and um, you get that a lot of work to be done um, on on that end, just finding these guys places to play. Um, so there's a lot that has to go into it before. I don't think you can just have an agreement and say, all right, camps are open tomorrow. Um, you know, you need a little bit of runway there. So I, I mean, maybe March 1st, you could do it, but I think that's, I think that's kind of pushing it, um, realistically, given all that has to take place once you, uh, open up the industry again. Tyler Kepner, baseball columnist for the New York times, joining us on inside the clubhouse for just a few more minutes. And, Tyler, uh, is the union really missing the boat here in what they're negotiating hard for? And by that, uh, there's such a a strong concentration on uh, getting the younger players paid and getting a pool together where they're compensated early. Uh, We all agree that, um, you know, even the the owners I've talked to, the general managers, that uh, the minimum has to come up to a, a, a better amount, you know, come up at least 20% or so. But uh, are we missing out the fact that the middle-class players in baseball, the Matt Duffies of the world, uh, the good, uh, you know, veteran player who's uh, 31, 32, 33, that, that this type of an agreement is going to push uh, those players out of the game even earlier and give them a, a less chance to make real dollars during their career, during their uh, years as uh, backup players or important uh, players on a team uh, from the veteran status. Are we, are they missing the boat here when it comes to paying attention to the middle class? Yeah, I think it's a very smart point um, you, you make, Bruce, and, and one that I haven't heard a lot of um, 
but it's definitely valid. And, and, and one of those um, kind of unintended consequences um, that may result from, from something like this, it, it's nice to, to, to look at the um, salary scale and say, well, how are owners manipulating that? Um, well, let's try to counteract that. But if you, if you make those players more expensive, then owners are going to you know, look for other places to save money. And you're right that those middle tier guys um, will continue to be squeezed out if there's a guarantee at the lower end that those guys are going to get more. And it's like, well, he can probably do the job just as well as, as, a, as a Matt Duffy. Um, so we'll save on, on Matt's contract by giving this guy a little more because we're going to have to pay, you know, we're going to have to pay this guy this much anyway. Um, and, you, you know, and that does counter some of the sort of that baseball mentality of, you know, paying your dues and being rewarded for paying your dues. Um, you know, if you get paid a lot early and that's the going rate, then by the time, unless you're a big star, you know, stars are different, but they'll see, they'll see the, the veteran mid-level guy as kind of replaceable because his stats are, um, you know, probably something that a, a younger, cheaper player can produce. So, yeah, that's a good unintended consequences that I think is getting overlooked here. Tyler, I think the the message is is one that I think most fans just want to ignore whenever this conversation comes up because it is so frustrating and, and nobody likes to discuss the you know a labor uh, disagreement and a, and a work stoppage. But in terms of messaging, who do you think is is winning? Who is losing? How important is the messaging in this in terms of just either getting something done or or creating you know uh, public favor one way or another? Well, I think the players um, kind of going out uh, in, in mass yesterday on on Twitter, um, you know, taking to social media to kind of, um, you know, voice their concerns. I think that was effective. Um, I think that was smart. I mean, you don't have a lot of owners out there saying anything or or, or explaining their side of things. Um, and you know, for the players, they, they were they were pretty much consistently on message yesterday, talking about getting money to younger players and. Um, you know, ending service time manipulation so so fans can see the best players um, when they're ready, and uh, you know, curbing the tanking phenomenon. And I think those are all things that fans can get behind and are easily understood. Um, so when you put it in terms like that, you know, we want these three goals, and these are three goals that I think fans would would um, you know, in in theory, get behind. Um, I think that is effective uh, from them, and, and and there was no social media in the mid '90s when the last you know the last time this this labor situation happened. So, yeah, I think the players, I guess, if I had to pick one side, are, are probably winning it because they're they're starting just now to uh, really use their voice. Advancing that narrative, Tyler, um, who represents the fans today? Our theme on the show is: shouldn't the fans be represented? Uh, they are paying every penny. Uh, of this $11 billion revenue that both sides get, uh, who stands up for them? Uh, and as a baseball fan that I know you are, and a passionate one long before you were a reporter, um, don't you cringe when you think about the fact that both sides uh, are really negotiating about things that are just, you know, they're, they're really minuscule when it comes to um, the lens that the fan has and and how how they're turning off the the fans and uh, as you mentioned uh, the 
the possibility of them not coming back to want to watch the game. Right. I think that the fans don't have a seat at, at the at the table here, and, and they're not something that um, you know guys are, are are thinking about. I mean, they can say it. They they, they all they all want you know fans to be happy. They all understand where the revenue ultimately comes from. Um, but you know, I, I I think ultimately they have a short career that they have to worry about. Um, you know, I think sixty six percent or so of the uh, of the union of the players who played in the big leagues last year make less than a million dollars. So it's not like you know you know we're talking about a majority billionaires club here. They they are you know guys who who tend to have on the whole you know short careers. Um, so they got to get what they can while they can, as you say. Um, so I, I think that has to be their priority, just realistically. Um, but I think I think what they're what the players say is that this will make for a better game if you you know curtail tanking and and, and all that stuff. Um, so you know, I, but yeah, it's it's inevitable. I mean, in all these things, the, the fans are the ones who who have to sit sit there and just wait. Um, wait for these guys to figure it out because you know they, they don't they don't really don't have a say you're right there's just no way around it they don't all right tyler i'm going to try to borrow some of bruce's optimism here and think that it's going to be when not if uh there's a resolution here and we start to talk baseball again and, and look at the game how it will change on the field what are some things in terms of is it going to be expanded playoffs is the dh going to be a reality a pitch clock what are some tangible differences we may see when we get baseball back in 2022? Well, I don't really expect to see much um, uh, in terms of tangible changes because they, they have put that um, to the side. You know, they, they, they think there's enough right now um, in front of them with all the economic stuff and all just the, the guts of the CBA um, that they, I think it's a whole another conversation to get into about implementation of pitch clocks and, and, and ban of the shift, which I would love to see and stuff like that. Um, so I don't know that the game itself is, is, is going to change. I, I worry about that. The pitching, you know, like, like we saw last year in the, in the postseason that players or pitchers were just fried, you know, the year after the pandemic and, you know, pulling them out for two innings all the time. I don't like that. Um, I worry about the expanded playoffs, but you know, I think tangible things we may see. I mean, look, they, 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 I hate it. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. They talk about, they're going to put ads on the uniforms. I think that's gross. Um, they're going to expand the playoffs again. Um, I don't think that's necessary. I think the 162 game season is 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 gets watered down a little bit if you if you let seven teams in on each side. So, um, you know, that, we'll see some of those kind of changes, and and I don't know that they're for the better, but um, it's a great game, and and as much as they change it or evolve it, it it, it still is great. But uh, I I could do without the the extra round of playoffs. I, I think we got enough playoffs. You mean you don't want to see Lubitsch Dairy on a uniform? You don't want to see that as the advertising on uh, on Mike Trout's uniform starting in 2022? I mean, that's uh, you know it, it, it's it's all about the colorful uniforms. You you watch the Caribbean series uh, at uh, at least peripherally, uh, they have some beautifully colorful uniforms with advertising on them. Yeah, no? I think you're being sarcastic there. <laughs> I'll hope you're being sarcastic there. <laughs> uh, I just I love the baseball uniform. I feel like it's one of the last uh, bastions of, of um, you know ad free 
uh, places we can look. And, and, and they have the, the swoosh on the front of the jersey. They got the new era thing on the side of the hat. It's like, come on, guys. You know, just is, is anything not sacred? I mean, at least the name Wrigley Field as well. That's even after a, a, a company in a way. So who knows? But it's just a, it's a great game. I, I'd, I'd love them to get back out there and stop monkeying around with it. All right, Tyler, before we let you go, I have to ask you a baseball question as well because when they do solve this, Carlos Correa will still be, I think, the most sought-after, biggest-name free agent out there. There's a lot of conversation in Chicago about the Cubs' interest. I know the Yankees still lurk. Do you have a thought on where Carlos Correa might end up once we get back to the business of signing free agents? Well, he got Scott Boris as his agent, so he's going he's gonna to try to get that uh, – 300 plus million dollar deal um i i don't know right now i mean it's something that we haven't really focused on a lot with all those labor freeze so um i have to i mean see you know you hear seattle a little bit that's a team kind of on the rise uh i don't know their you know their last big big deal didn't turn out so well with cano um but you know i i can see that and then then you've got then you've got something with Crawford, you know, you move Crawford to second, you trade him for some. Uh, Seattle's a team on the right. You look for those teams that are ready to make a move. I don't know if the Cubs are quite ready to to make that move, but I mean, they they you know they signed a good pitcher in Stroman, and and you know someone like Correa could could jumpstart it because you're going to have him for a long time. Um, I imagine Scott would probably try to put an opt out in there. So um, I don't know exactly, but I, I I do think Seattle has that look of a team that has some money to spend and, and is is maybe ready to take that one player from their rival and and try to try to leap over them. So David, as you know, I believe Tyler is a, an ultimate baseball trivia expert. Okay. <laughs> Probably the best mind for trivia in, in the media that I've ever met. So wow. I know when I ask him this question, David, he's going to have the answer. And the, the question is the largest trade between two teams in history occurred in 1954, between the Baltimore Orioles and the New York Yankees, 19 players were traded in one trade. Tyler, name all 19 players. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I know Bob Turley was in it, and, and, and that yeah, that's correct. huge. And I think that's I correct. Think Don Larson also. So that's you correct. Know, you that's also you Larson correct. and Turley. They got two World Series MVPs in, in, in right. one deal. Uh, 56 and 58. So, um, not bad. Yeah, there were a lot of players flying around in that deal. I couldn't name all of them, but uh, I, I got the two, the two of the headliners there for you. Here's one for you guys with Super Bowl week uh, coming up. Um, maybe I've asked it to you before. You'll probably get it quickly. But um, name the player who had who was MVP of the Super Bowl and the World Series with the same. I mean, the same last name. Same last name for an MVP for the Super Bowl and the World Series. Hmm. Super Bowl MVP. and World Series, same last name, MVP. Brown? Uh, I don't think baseball's no. out of Brown. No. No, Brian, you're thinking of Brown being the guy that played in uh, a Super Bowl and a World Series, I believe. Uh, I mean, it was Larry, you know, Larry Brown in football, but I, I didn't have yeah. MVPs when Three Finger Brown was pitching. In That's, a good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, those That's seven and eight. <laughs> Go ahead, Tyler. Listen. Oh come on! I mean, who's who's the only Chicago Bear to win Super Bowl MVP? Oh, Dent, uh, Richard okay. Dent, Bucky Richard Dent, Dent, Bucky Dent. There you Bucky go. Dent. Thank Richard you very Dent. much. Oh boy! People, no. people, people, people think Brian Doyle won that, but he he, he didn't. He actually he hit he had a great World Series, but it was That's actually a great uh, piece Bucky of Dent. Trivia. 
Thanks for Tyler, thanks so much for joining us. There, there may be others, but I know that's one of them for sure. All right, good talking to you guys. Take care. Tyler Kepner, baseball columnist for the New York Times, trivia savant. Yes, he got us there, Bruce. We are, boy, Richard Dent, Bucky Dent. We should have known that one. We really should have yeah. known that one. And yeah, we really don't have the time to sit around, smoke a cigar, have a drink, and figure it out. So we need to move we, on with the show. We do need to move on with the show. When we come back, i got some things I want to run by Bruce. What do you want to run by us? 312 644 67 67. Anything to do about your gripes and grievances over the lockout? Anything you want to say about what you heard from Jasmine Dunstan and the future of women in baseball? Anything at all? We are here until 11 o'clock inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm going to tell you something that you all should know. Chicago is the greatest place I ever know. I'm going to stay in this town. I'm going to live in this town. I'm going to live in Chicago. It's the greatest place around. What new star players may be joining the Cubs and White Sox in 2022? David and Bruce explore the free agent and trade market as the offseason takes shape. Will it be Carlos Correa hitting long balls at Clark and Addison? You and the guys discuss possible offseason MLB moves and speculate who may be Chicago bound at 312-644-6767 on Inside the Clubhouse. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. Yeah, it's time for Chicago Bound, Bruce. They, somebody unplugged the hot stove, but I got a couple, uh, a couple logs <laughs> on the fire here. I'm trying to, to get a match and, and get this going here because we need to warm up with some conversation, some speculation. Goodness sakes, it's been a while, but that music means that we can speculate, and so you think that there is anything going on in these meetings, like when they're not talking about if, if and when? What, what, what are Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins, what are Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams, what kinds of things are they discussing as it pertains to the roster these days? I've got some ideas, but what are yours? Well, you know, let's start with the White Sox. Uh, you know, again, as soon as this settlement takes place between the players and owners, Everybody's going to look at each other and go, oh, my goodness, we don't have a right fielder. We don't have a shortstop. Who's going to play center field? So uh, you can bet that the general managers, uh, even though they're not supposed to be talking, they have uh, pipelines to each other about what's going on, pipelines to uh, agents 
about what's going on without direct contact. They, they have to be. David, as, as Tyler pointed out, there's over 100 free agents out there right now. The White Sox still have to dis- decide who's going to play second base for them in 2022. Who's going to play right field? What is the, the makeup of the rest of the pitching staff with Carlos Rodon now a free agent? Is he actually going to come back as a free agent? So these are some of the things that we have to look at here for the Chicago White Sox. Listing them, David, your opinion, a left-handed hitting right fielder, a second baseman, or a starting pitcher, where are the needs for the Chicago White Sox going into 2022? Right now, the minute that the lockout ends, after I'm done high-fiving my fellow executives, if I'm Rick Hahn, I'm getting on the phone and I'm calling the Philadelphia Phillies and I'm saying, we need to go through with this Craig Kimbrell trade. This is the number one thing on my to-do list. When I take the post-it note and I put it next to my computer or my refrigerator in the office, whatever it is, my post-it note says, priority one, trade Kimbrell. And you call the Phillies because they need a closer. And by the way, you need a second baseman. That is your number one priority to me because at right field, you do have a plethora of options, Bruce. They may not all be proven options, but they are plentiful. You have a lot of different guys who you have invested hope and in some, in some cases money in playing that position. Gene Segura is a guy that can play second base for you. Kimbrough Segura, that is the trade I would try to make because second base is your number one priority. It's a, it's a good call. Uh, Segura is a good player. Uh, he's, he's been a good hitter. Uh, he'd had a veteran presence. Uh, that they probably need over there. They need to solidify that position. Um, and they need to also dump a, a portion of that $16 million that they have ticketed for uh, Kimbrel right now. Uh, again, um, they are smarter than I am. They know what they're doing. I didn't like the idea of uh, paying Kimbrel and picking up his option. Uh, but again, they're probably going to be a lot smarter than I am after – Two weeks of spring training, and we see pitchers going down and teams that are in uh, the playoff hunt uh, for 2022 looking for a closer. And sure enough, the White Sox are sitting on two of the top closers in the game. So from that perspective, I'm with them. I understand it. Uh, The payout for uh, paying a player and then using him as trade bait is uniquely different and something that we have to get used to. I mean, they've been pretty honest about the fact saying, look, we made this trade. We traded Madrigal. We traded Hoyer. We traded, those are two good young players to the Cubs. We didn't get back what we expected for Kimbrell. But now that we have the ability to look at him in a different light, we think we're going to be able to turn him into another player that really helps us win. And, and for that, I applaud them thinking outside the box. In general, most people would say, you know what? There's an option. Uh, we're not picking it up. You know, it just didn't work out. What do you think they will do then? And and I guess then we'll pivot to the Cubs because uh, we we also know that Jed Hoyer has a post-it note on his uh, office uh, refrigerator. So Chapman is the top third baseman in the American League. He played. Oakland A's. He's going to get traded. Olsen, their first baseman, is going to get traded. I would do everything I can to get Chapman with the Chicago White Sox and put him at third base and then turn around and uh, I would trade for him. I would, I, would take, I would take 
your present third baseman in Mancata, either send him back to second or make him into an outfielder. Uh, because I think Chapman would be an answer to the White Sox final piece of the puzzle, a gold glove third baseman, a guy that hits 30 to 35 bombs and probably more in uh, guaranteed rate than he, he does at Oakland Stadium where it's, where it's impossible to hit home runs. Uh, this is, to me, uh, something they have to think outside of the box to kind of fill their holes and make their team just a little better. Bruce, that's not only outside the box. I'm not even sure that's in the zip code. Yohan Mankata in the outfield? Are Really? Right. How hard is it to play the outfield? Well, I don't know that it, – it, doesn't he have some injury-prone uh, concerns? I, I don't know I, if he's, don't has he so. ever Look, played the- – he's a very – he's a great baseball athlete. Can we agree on that? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. And what yeah. did they do with Andrew Vaughn last year? I know. The guy that had never played oh. a, one minute in the Thank outfield. You. Okay. Good good, good counterpoint, Bruce. I, I love it when we are arguing over trade possibilities and positional uh, deployment rather than uh, competitive balance taxes and, and other nonsense like that. That's an interesting idea, I think, because of what Chapman offers you in the way of of a dependable glove, and certainly I wonder uh, uh, that, that that's a, it is outside the box. It is unorthodox. I think the White Sox would be more conventional. All these things considered, Bruce, how do you feel about their position in right field with the combination of Vaughn, Sheets, Engel? Also, do we know yet, can we, after talking last week to Marco Patti, is Oscar Colas going to be somebody in that mix? Right. And, and that's, that's a good point, David. It really is. Because at, at 23, Colas is probably not going to need a lot of baseball seasoning. He probably will need a lot of seasoning about living in the United States, about uh, you know b- being able to comport himself here the way that he wants to, to be able to communicate properly. Uh, that might take a little while, more than the baseball side of it. But, but that's, I mean, they do have, Sheets was tremendously impressive last year at the end of the year. He helped them win a lot of games. He was added to and added to both the roster and the White Sox attempt to win some games in the playoffs. So from that perspective, him and Vaughn match up well there. Uh, Whether one or the other ends up at first base, uh, ends up in in the outfield, ends up as a DH uh, down the line here, knowing that Jose Jose Abreu is going into his walk year as a Chicago White Sox player again. that's, uh, that's to be determined. But for 2022, the window is there for them to win. And I'm right. looking for a, more dynamic moves by the Chicago White Sox. 773 Texter asks, can Chris Bryant play second base? <laughs> he does He's out in there. the shift. Unsigned. He, he plays it in the shift. The, yeah. The, every, every third baseman plays over to second, between first and second, normally in a shift, right? So he can play there. I mean, look, no. The answer is no. He can't. But he can play third. The Cubs, Bruce. So what is their number one priority once the lockout ends? What direction do you think they will go? And and we mentioned Bryant, and that's kind of silly to think about him coming to Chicago on either side of town. But I did read a headline, I think it was on BleacherNation.com, asking the question rhetorically about Anthony Rizzo and the Cubs. 
having a reunion. What do you think about some of those possibilities? I've heard that's possible. I've heard that uh, it's not out of the realm of giving a two or three year contract. What, what if you heard uh, once the lockout ended that the Cubs signed Rizzo to a two year, $40 million contract with a, a third year option? Would, would that mm. be shocking to you? Yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't I think get you where be. you want to go, right? I, I see. I see by your reaction, it won't <laughs> wouldn't get you to where you want to go, right? It wouldn't. I it mean, wouldn't, the, Bruce. Has that ship has that ship sailed for David Haw? I think it has. You know, I think the, the the long goodbye was long enough, and and I just don't know how I would feel from okay. Let's remove emotion from the equation. If I'm looking at the MRIs and the medical history, I am reluctant. If I'm Tom Ricketts, if I'm Jed Hoyer. Investing $40 million guaranteed, that's guaranteed, on a, a guy on the wrong side of 30 with a bad back. I just think that that's They offered a risk. 70 last year. That was they? last year. Th- All right, was, what's we, different? One, well, one more it, year, What's right? different is that was before you knew how bad the back would get. And every year, your back doesn't typically get better, Bruce, as we age. I can tell you that firsthand this morning after you know, waking up and feeling, oh, my gosh, what's that? Anthony Rizzo is going to be getting – it's going to be harder to manage those back issues rather than easier. So I just don't know that I would offer him more per year than I did last year when he turned it down. Both of you guys need to stretch more and you need a new bed. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, and if, and if Rizzo does more stretching and he gets a new bed, I think he's good to go. No, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I don't think that's the number one priority for the Cubs. I think the number one priority for the Cubs is continue to add to the arsenal of pitching in the organization and, and keep on pushing that way for serves and bullpen guys. But to compete and win in 2022, they need a butt-kicking shortstop. They need a butt-kicking center fielder. Guys that can really do the job defensively. Game changers on defense at the very least. So if it's not going to be Correa... Is it Iglesias or is it Simmons? Two guys that are known for being mm. top-flight defensive shortstops. Are, are you interested, David Haw, in either one of those? I'm interested in finding out if Carlos Correa is obtainable. And if the answer is no, I'm pivoting to Trevor Story. And I'm going to invest all of my, or the largest amount of my resources in a shortstop that is a legit, not just a, a good Good glove, no hit, shortstop. I I want something more than that at that position, Bruce. But uh, just for for contending's sake, do you not need a top flight defensive shortstop if you're going to win? You are a team if serious about win, contending. If you, maybe if you're, you're going to win 87 games, if you're going to win 87 games in the division, I'm not saying 87 will win the division, but you know, knowing that Milwaukee hasn't added to a very good team, knowing St. Louis hasn't added to a very good team. Bruce, is there that opportunity for you to be a competitive player, player meaning team, in the central division of the National League? If you get another frontline pitcher, yes. But if you don't, then you don't need to look at your shortstop position. And you know how they roll the credits and it's like, you know, contributing editor and on the small print you barely can see? You don't need one of those guys. You need also starring. Co-starring Carlos Correa, co-starring Trevor Story. You've got a network to sell. You need a, a star to promote. You need a guy whose name is going to be on the marquee, Bruce, not a contributing uh, actor, producer, whatever. I agree with you, but Trevor Story is not the answer. If it's not, if it's not 
Korea, it, it shouldn't be Story. Story's had a tremendous amount of arm issues and shoulder issues. Uh, I don't think that anybody believes shortstop is necessarily going to be the position that he plays. Do you want to bring in a guy that might have to play second base or first base uh, and pay that kind of money? That is the reality with Story right now from all indications. So from that perspective, saying- I'm, I'm, I'm going to be good with a, uh, another good starting pitcher, somebody that they either have to trade for or sign as a free agent. I, I'm, I'm good if it's Kershaw. I'm good if it's Rodon. Okay. okay? I'm, like I'm Rodan. actually good. I'm actually good uh, if you're if you're bringing in um, another veteran pitcher like a Carlos Martinez who had some surgery on his thumb. That's a free agent from the Cardinals. I'm I'm good with that type of stuff to add, but I I need a better defensive team if I'm going to win. I love it when you give me the untold story, Bruce. That's really good stuff. Even though I don't agree. You're, with you're you. saying uh, I'm you're I'm. Uh, you enjoy when I go to fantasy world on you. I love it when you're wrong, is basically what I'm saying. All right, when yeah, we well, come back, to there's be a proven. couple more things I want to run by you happened in the world of baseball this week. There was other actual news besides the standoff between the players and the owners. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Alexi, don't mess with Joe West. There's two rules in baseball. The first rule in baseball is you got to catch the ball, and the next rule is don't mess with Joe West. The guy asked me why why don't you mess with Joe West, but I'll tell you why, because he's going to throw a lasso around you, hogtie you, and then make you listen to his country and western album. Exactly right. He just might sing to you. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine, here for a final segment. That was Hawk talking about Joe West, and as only Hawk can, Joe West officially retired Bruce after 5,460 regular season games. The news made official on Friday. Big question now developing in the Twitter sphere. Is he a Hall of Famer as a umpire? Is he headed to Cooperstown one day? John Heyman, our guy, tweeted out an MLB network on his Twitter feed. He's eligible, but plenty of better candidates. And there now is a campaign to keep him out of Cooperstown. What do you think? If you're on the field for that long doing excellent to wonderful to average work every single night for all those 40-odd years, you belong in the Hall of Fame, okay? If people don't personally like Joe because he had a big personality, because he was a country western guy, because he was an in-your-face guy, to me, that's what's going to be missing in baseball are the personalities of the umpire, especially when you get to the electronic age of home plate umpires being told what the pitch is before it comes by a machine or once it's delivered by a machine. Uh, the personalities of the umpires, the arguments between umpires, the Earl Weavers, the Tommy Lasordas, uh, the uh, Jim Leland's arguing with umpires, that that's lost in this game that's many times colorless these days. And Joe West was one of the more colorful uh, dominant forces in the game as an umpire for all those years. First ballot Hall of Famer, Joe West, just for his contributions to the game of baseball. 
there are 10 umpires in the in the baseball hall of fame and the last one in, went in in 2013 i don't like the way he made the game about him i don't like a lot about the way that he he conducted the game and the style and all those things but we have to give credit where it's due, and his longevity alone, I think, does qualify him. So I guess I will he, he grudgingly agree ump- with you, Bruce. He was still an umpire, a good umpire at the end, David. You know, okay. I mean, he, he couldn't move very well on the bases. You know, he was a showman, but, Bruce. Uh, but it was but about he him. Was still a, he was still a good. I like it. I like the fact there's personality in the game of baseball, David. Sorry. Try talking to one of those machines calling the balls and strikes. Get them in for an interview with you and uh, Mully. Uh, some, I am um, ejecting you Monday from the morning. game. I am throwing you out. You must go now. <laughs> strike three. Strike three. Okay. Bruce, gotta, I want to ask give, you. Give me some personality. Okay. Uh, speaking of personality, nice segue. Nicky Delmonico, to me, was one of the more enjoyable White Sox players to cover in recent years, telling his story, what he overcame, and how he contributed to, you know, the White Sox weren't great when he was a player there. But he now, after deciding to quit baseball last summer after a stint with the Reds, is going to join the White Sox organization as a hitting instructor in their uh, Winston-Salem Class A team, wants to be a manager one day. This was good news this week, a good guy, and I hope uh, that he succeeds, and I wish him all the best because, Bruce, as you know, he was one of the nicer guys and one of the funnier guys to come through that clubhouse. Give me the guys that can play, would you? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Nicky was a great story, and he's the everyman story. He's a great communicator. He's going to be a really good hitting coach and a good manager down the road. I, I just, I, I'm very happy for him. And the White Sox wrote that story this week on our website at 670thescore.com. You can find my stuff there all week long on the Cubs and the White Sox. Also find me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. David, we thank our guests. And we thank our great producer, Adam Stadzinski, for a job well done. Our guests, of course, Tyler Kepner, Jasmine Dunstan. David, thank you for a fun two hours. Thank you, Bruce. That was a great job. We had a fun show. And stay tuned. Saturday Suckage, Mike Esposito in for Grody. Steve Rosenblum. And then DePaul plays right here on the score against Xavier, 1245. Zach Zaidman on the call. See you Monday morning. Molly and Haw. 5 to 9. Thank you for listening inside the Clubhouse Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.